All right, and welcome back to Do You Pay the One podcast. I'm your host, Islaine, and I'm, as always, joined by my co-hosts, Fitz. What's up? Beth. Hey, hey. And RJ. Hey, Well, first of all, thank you if you uh, listened to our first episode. Uh, thank you for coming back. Um, we have uh, just kind of put this out here, uh, trying to get our feelers out to see what people like, uh, what they're into. Uh, please, uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, leave comments. Let us know if there's anything that you would like us to cover because we're um, all not necessarily new to doing content, but just new to uh, being a group and trying to find our, our legs, so to speak. So uh, we think we're doing an okay job as far as ideas. But, you know, like I said, any uh, suggestions are always welcome. And, uh, of course, we appreciate feedback. Uh, so this week, we are going to kind of have more of a formal format. The first episode, I just kind of winged it because I, A, was rusty, and B, hadn't really interacted with these, with these guys on this level. So we kind of had to find each other's groove. I think we did an okay job of that. And so going forward, uh, we're going to have kind of an introduction period, then a, a thing I like to call breaking the ice, where we're going to talk about something that was happened with us, projects we've worked on and things like that. Then we're going to do a little current event section. And then we're going to get to the main topic. So this week's topic is kind of a three different topics that kind of are all rolled into one because they kind of all intertwine. We're talking about responsible play patterns and in-game etiquette. Uh, Stacks in casual versus stacks in CEDH. Rule zero conversations and cultivating your pots. So uh, you could kind of see how those things can be linked. So we'll we'll get more into that later. But for now, uh, we're going to break the ice. Uh, I'm going to start with RJ. Uh, tell us about something magic related or something cool that you've been doing uh, since we last spoke. Absolutely. So mostly I've been just exploring, just doing a deep dive into artisan as a format. So uncommons and commons only, and just been poking around uh, in particular, take a look and see what options I currently have sitting in private lists on Moxfield right now. So I've been looking at uh, Utropia, uh, the twice favored out of Theros Beyond Death, so Constellation Enchantments. Been looking at Killian Ink Duelist out of Strixhaven, so a lot of just targeted spells. But it's just been nice to just kind of just change a pace, work with a different card pool, and examine that. Also, Zada Storm really doesn't change. So also kind of just adjusting my expectations as a spike coming from CEDH and translating to how broken I can make Artisan in the process. So it's been really fun. Yeah, that's awesome. I actually just uh, had an Artisan pod not that long ago, and I was having a lot of fun uh, <laughs> breaking my deck. But it wasn't actually me that broke it. It was more of the uh, one of the other players. They, they were going wide with tokens, and uh, with a Soul Sister and a Trellisara, mm, things happen. <laughs> so, I thought only it? I was allowed to break things. <laughs> it's, that sounds eerily like Jeremy, a.k.a. Faded. Am I correct? Uh, we have already discussed uh, that we both decided on the same deck. The, that was both of our first <laughs> picks for the format, which is ironic. Great minds think alike. Yeah. Uh, Beth, what have you uh, been doing in the MTG-verse? Hmm. Well, let's see. I actually had some really fun uh, casual games over the weekend, and I got to be on the surprise extra stream yesterday with Elder Drunken Highlander. Um, and I played Squirrels. 
and my squirrels. And I ended up having in one turn, uh, something like 80 something squirrels. So that was super fun. Um, And then next week, I'm doing the last week of my first quarter charity stream for the Trevor Project. So that's going to be exciting, too. That sounds awesome. I'm also scheduling for my birthday stream in April. So I think I replied to that, but I don't know what day or time that would be. Okay. I don't know that I see you, but I think for the actual birthday stream, I'm going to end up having to do multiple pods because I'm already at 29 responses for like four days in Octo- in April. So yeah, it's, a, it's a good problem to have, but I want to fit everybody in. Cool. Um, I mean, like I said, if it's not going to work, I'm it's totally fine. But no, it's going to we're going to make it. It's going to work. All right. Finally, uh, Fitz, what have you been up to? I uh, today finally set up my new overlay for my stream that I got from Cicada. It was uh, it was a fucking learning experience. OBS. Oh, that's where you is, got it from. Yeah, he made he made um, my new logo and designed the overlay. I gotta hit him up because um, yeah, I've been looking for somebody to do that kind of thing. Yeah, and I like didn't like he's got great um vision for that stuff. I just kind of gave him the outline of what I want, and he banged out those screens. And then I spent most of this morning uh playing around with OBS. Nice. And yeah, it looks, it, I, I think it looks uh, awesome. I, I popped in the stream. I thought it looked great as well. Cicada just has an unmatched vision for crazy stacks and just really great marketing. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, I guess that leaves me. What have I been doing? Well, um, I, too, participated in that charity stream uh, that Beth was speaking of earlier. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about that later, so I won't share any details. But I think the well, outside of MLC prep... Basically just been working on a couple of my newer brews. Um, I came up with this. Um, I can't really take a lot of credit because other people have been doing the stone blade thing in CDH for a little while, but I just made my own take on that with different commanders. So it's uh, Arden and Kamal. And it's basically just like Selesnya good stuff as far as, you know, you got your ramp, you got your card draw, you got your removal, you got, uh, uh, you know, those kinds of things that some decent tutors. But mostly you're just aiming for getting Arden on the field, get a, uh, a Stoneforge Mystic, and then you go get sort of Hearth and Home, and then you attach it to something, start blinking the Mystic to get your other equipments out, and then make Arden or whoever huge and kill people. And uh, so far it has not won me a game, but it's come close. I've been a threat quite a few times, so it's been nice. fun. Still working on it. Uh, you have to kind of play test these things to tweak them. But uh, eventually I might get it there to where it's at least like kind of fringy, which I'm fine with. That's kind of a space that I brew in pretty often. So I guess from here, we're going to move on to uh, current events. Um, We're going to kind of do this every week or every couple of weeks, sorry, and just kind of go over any big thing that happened that's been on our radar. And some things are going to be more undeniably on people's radars. But for the most part, we all interact on Twitter and we all kind of have the same larger sphere with some other smaller spheres uh, to ourselves. So we're going to hear about kind of the same sort of things. And we're going to pick a couple things that we want to talk about that are going on just to kind of shed light on the good and the bad and maybe the ugly. I don't know. I guess we're going to start with the ugly uh, just to get that (laughs) out of the way. And this is a topic that Beth brought up. So I'm going to let her introduce it and then we'll uh, have some commentary. Yeah. So, um, obviously I think about, it was last week, um, a Buzzfeed article came out about actresses who had been forced into doing nudity. And this article 
pulled from several years back and other articles in the past, but it included someone in the magic community, uh, MDL of I Hate Your Deck. And I think the last two weeks have been really telling um, just because it's very interesting to see how things go in in these situations and there was a lot of divisiveness at first but then the actress who was the victim of his harassment made a statement i think that was saturday yesterday saturday yes and um unequivocally shut down his behavior um and his responses on twitter and made it very clear that she was the victim of harassment and blackmail. And since then, uh, I think the community has banded together behind her, which was very heartening to see, as well as several companies, including Moxfield, Altersleaves, and Card Kingdom, have dropped sponsorship of I Hate Your Deck, which for them is obviously unfortunate. But I do think that one of the things that I saw over Twitter was just that people really came together and supported not only Benita, but other women that have dealt with this. I know that I posted my own experiences and my feelings on it, which are obviously separate from this because they're my personal feelings. But I think that the community really came together. And I, I, I honestly after this last week have more hope than I did when it first came out. And I am honestly really proud of the community that I saw. So that's just kind of, you know, that happened and that was pretty gross. But honestly, as, as gross as that was, I I do think that the community is such a great community. And one of the things that I said to somebody yesterday is I've been a member of several different gaming type communities and several things. And this is the first time that I've literally seen an almost overwhelming wave of just players willing to and ready to support the victim. What I And maybe I'm seeing through rose-colored glasses, but without any, it seems, negative commentary. So I would say that there is, as I was saying, you know, leading into this, that we all kind of interact in the same social circle within Twitter's larger sphere. And in a way, you do kind of create an echo chamber by who you follow and who you choose not to follow. So you are going to see a lot more of things that are going to align with what you believe until people go outside of the thing that you're really there to follow them for. For instance, if someone is talking about magic, you're like, yeah, bro, we have the same brewing ideas. And then they're like, I'm a Trump supporter. And you're like, nah, bro, we ain't cool with that. So, (laughs) (laughs) so like, as long as people keep their personal shit to themselves, I think generally everybody gets along and we're doing fine. Um, Yeah. The issue that this does bring up, though, is the people like I, 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 because I was still following him prior to really knowing what was going on, uh, because I'm not on Twitter all day, every day, you know, there are parts of the day where I'm sleeping or I am at work. So I got caught up like way after the fact. And I had seen him post something about comments because people use pronouns on the video. And he had Mm -hmm. posted about how like, Oh, it's a shame that all these people are shitty or whatever. Or maybe I just, it popped up because somebody liked it. Who knows? But whatever the case is, I saw it and it was like, okay. And then I see, you know, what was really going down and it was like, 
okay, so you have somebody portraying themselves as one thing and then mm-hmm. having this other side saying it's different. And in most cases, people would go, well, you know, he said, she said, and just wipe it away. And that's where I would agree with you that it's it's a heartening moment for the whole community that we at least take part in for rising together and saying like, nah, and unsubscribing, unfollowing. And then, then even some of these card, uh, card affiliated things, programs, companies that we all kind of support in a way, because I mean, I've bought tons of money. I've spent tons of money with Carn kingdom. I've t- spent money with ultra sleeves. I haven't spent any money with Moxfield, but I use their product all the time. So, Oh my God. Moxfield. Love them. It's amazing. <laughs> you guys can sponsor us. We don't hate you. <laughs> we we'll don't hate you. you. Yeah. And so you're right. I definitely have curated a nice little community for myself and I appreciate that. But I did I did um spend a lot of time and I think for me personally not that I was more affected but that I had some trauma that kind of popped off because of this whole event. Right. So I was a little more invested maybe. I I did go and like sneak into socials and like try to see the the good, bad and ugly. So I definitely saw the initial response and I did see people's responses and I did see people's heartbreak over, you know, other content creators speaking in support immediately. And, you know, and then in this week after Benita spoke, those same creators being heartbroken themselves. And I think what's really a shame and that I hope that the community continues to do is that there are creators out there that are mid-level or even lower level like myself that lost a huge opportunity because they can't align themselves with this with this uh channel (laughs) yeah you know and it's heartbreaking and i one of the things that i tried to do i know someone specifically had lost that opportunity i tried to share with anybody that i could connect them with and i i mean they were already well connected but you know i think that that we can continue to do that. We can continue to support each other, lift each other up. And actually, two of my favorite people, Donnie and Jen of the MTG Filthy Casuals, if it wasn't for them, nobody would know who I was. And, you know, and they don't content create. They uh, are just awesome people on Twitter. So I think I'm like... Sure that's how I found you. Yeah, thanks. Um, I think that we can all take a page out of their book and continue to uplift um, good people. I actually made a uh, a Twitter list that I called Good Magic Peeps. It's got 56 people. So if you're not on it, don't feel bad. I can't add any more right now. But I am so excited to like not only have my Twitter feed of, you know, suggested people and other things that I see, but to have like a group of people that I know are good human beings. Honestly, just really at the end of the day, like uh, as was mentioned, we we've all kind of built our echo chambers through various levels of social network. And that's also kind of leading into one of our topics in terms of curating our pods and, curating our networks we we curate all the information that we all digest one way or another the only thing i would want to just really just say is just stay informed mm-hmm. be ethical and mm-hmm. just people can change but examine behaviors actions speak louder than words yeah the uh the the good things that he's done for the community over the past year or so kind of get negated when 
everybody's like, well, now you're kind of a piece of shit and yeah. <laughs> we don't want to do this with you anymore. I was well, bummed I- because they're only like a couple hours away. I used to live like right down the street. I would have been able to go over to, uh, same goes with, um, the Cassius Marsh's fucking store. That was like an hour drive, yeah. less than an hour drive from where I used to live. So would have been able to go and kick it. And even if I couldn't play with them, I could fucking be like knocking on the door. Like, Hey, <laughs> like I'm a nobody. Let me play with you. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to say something possibly controversial. So feel free to cut this in post editing. I think it's kind of the same when you look at like the Harry Potter fandom. If anybody knows me, they know I'm a huge Harry Potter fan and it's one of those things where I'm heartbroken about what J.K. Rowling has turned into. Right. But that doesn't change what Harry Potter did for me. True. So I think that you can look at I Hate Your Deck and what they have done and still... It's bittersweet, really. You can still appreciate what they have done, but recognize that you can't support them while they continue to support him. And obviously, he is them. Like, it's... You know, I don't know how they would continue without him, but... If they do, that they might don't. be they do a, the same thing that Joe yeah. did, and they make their own thing. Or exactly, all the people that he has on are just guests anyway, and they're already doing their own thing. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the better thing to do is to, you know, go and find those people that are, you know, doing good things in the community and support them. But don't be afraid to call someone out on their shit. We're all people. I do think that we all have the ability to grow and learn. But I also think that when you get to a certain point of power, if you're with great power comes great responsibility. Thank you, Spider-Man. You know, like if you're not using that to Uncle Ben, if you're not doing that to do better, you know, that's a problem. I I do agree with you, though, that I wouldn't say negate. I think it just kind of shades it. Like, I can't help but think of like the stuff that happened over the weekend with the creators who met with that community and those people. And then, you know, also other people who were, who spoke out, it kind of feels like all of that was kind of hastily put together. And I know that it wasn't, I know that it was planned and you know, whatever, but it does feel like even the post about pronouns was like put together to be like, Hey, look over here. Hey, look over here. Don't look at that. Look over here. And I think it's just, you just have to have a clear head and, you know, definitely see the whole picture, not just the stuff you want to see. It's, it's very Hollywood. Yeah, very Uh, much. But I think, I mean, I think again, just to end it positively, I think the community is doing great things. And I don't think that as as heartbreaking as this is to lose a juggernaut that was potentially doing good things for the community, I think there's people out there that are still doing great things for the community. And I think the community itself is great. So, you know, like this last weekend. So I guess um, getting away from the ugly, we can go to the good. Um, yeah. This weekend, uh, yesterday specifically, the YouTube channel Elder Drunken Highlander had a charity stream that was sponsored by the Red Cross, uh, Canadian Red Cross specifically, to benefit the uh, crisis in U- the Ukraine right now. Um, obviously, I think most of the world agrees that uh, what's happening there is terrible and that um, we don't see the point and Russia needs to back the fuck off. But, you know, uh, we're not going to get into that so much, but um, this was a great, great charity for a great cause. And they had an initial goal of one and a half thousand dollars. 
And that was smashed. If I want to say it was within the first couple hours, they broke that easily. And then uh, they decided to set a stretch goal for 5,000. Mm-hmm. And uh, by the way, this was a 12 hour stream, 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern with, uh, I think, six pods. Um, Technically seven, but yeah. Oh, yeah, they did a bonus afterwards, didn't they? Yeah, because I got to be in the bonus. I had to bounce, so... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyhow, um, me and Beth were both invited to participate and played mm-hmm. in various pods. I believe yours was casual, mine was CEDH. Um, yep. I got to guess with the fantastic Alan from Mental Misplay, uh, the fabulous Rebel, and... Oh, God, who was my other... Uh, Josh from Mind Muscle Magic, uh, who is also another local SoCal boy like myself. Uh, nice. We may eventually meet up in person i'm from socal so i might have to come home represent uh so yeah um they ended up making that stretch goal uh uh, up to five thousand. and when i jumped in the last pot of the day they were at like 43 or 4400 yeah it was so close i threw a a 50 dollar donation at it um and uh i coincidentally infinite tokens uh, who makes those fantastic dry erase uh, little pieces of vinyl or whatever. Um, <coughs> they're uh, tokens, basically. They're card-sized, and you can draw whatever you want on them. Uh, if you don't know, you need to get a set because they're amazing for magic. They happened to be in the chat when I made that donation, and they were making an offer. I didn't even know it was coming. And they were like, hey, anybody who makes a $50 or above donation will get a pack donated to any content creator they wanted. So I... Uh, Shipped mine over to Veil of Death MTG, who's been on my my stream several times, and he's been all over the place. He's a very hardworking fella. Um, and awesome. He yeah. actually didn't have them because he's in Europe, so they're getting shipped to him uh, somehow or another. But yeah, uh, after that, it was just like we kept going, we were playing, we were having a good time, and then boom, five K got hit. Yeah, it was, it was really it was crazy cool. To see. Yeah, and the, uh, fun games. I mean, it sounds like everybody had a blast. Everybody that I, I've talked to that, that uh, played had a really good time. It was really cool. Yeah, I think it was just really well put together. Um, and they actually, I didn't realize this until almost the end, they actually did have a representative of the Red Cross helping out in chat and gifting subs and doing all kinds of stuff to make sure that they were really well supported. So that was really cool um, just to, you know, have that level of support. But I will say the amount of work that went into that and the amount of people who came out to the, to that, it. I mean, again this community is so awesome and it was just really cool to see. So speaking of other things happening, not right now, but very soon uh, that have a lot of people all in one place. It's the second annual uh, MLC or major league commander uh, tournament. Um, And I was aware of this last year. Um, I've been following the Sculpty boys, which is Callahan and Pongo and, Several other guys, I apologize. I can't remember everybody's name uh, at the moment. You'll be here for a minute listing them off. <laughs> right. Uh, I, know, I know Scoots is in there. And uh, God, there's so many. Call Pot. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Phoenix. That's the other one. Uh, I know it's Phoenix and Callahan and one other guy. Uh, there's, also the, there's also the I Mono think. White guys, a.k.a. Michael Levine, Charles Ivaldi. 
So yeah, yeah, yeah. They 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 just seem to be just constantly expanding and providing. <laughs> They're good like opportunities. a rap group from like the two thousands, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> just fucking fifteen of them. Yeah, they're just yeah. like cash money. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> So, but I know it specifically, at least on the one podcast, I know, I know Phoenix and Callahan have a big hand in it. I think Pongo is one of the others, but I'm, I'm not sure. Either way, uh, they organized this whole thing last year and it was at the time, I think they just handpicked who they wanted to be in it. And then it turned into kind of a thing where it ended up drawing a lot of attention. I watched some of the videos here and there on channels, but I wasn't super invested because I didn't really know any of the people back then. Now right. that I've actually interacted with lots of them and played games with them, like I'm looking forward to this because it's a way to uh, not only network, but just also anybody who's watching this may have never heard of you. Uh, they can also see you do cool things in a competitive setting that are like, you know, following rules and tournament and all that stuff. So uh, it seems like a cool, cool opportunity. Um, I'm going to be in it. I know God, there's, there's a ton of people. It's 32, 32 players, I believe. So yeah. It's basically anybody you already know and love and then some. But yeah, so uh, we have the draft coming up in in early April. I think it's the 9th. So um, for now, I've recruited RJ and Fitz and a couple other people to be basically my uh, my draft drafting coaches, so to speak. Uh, we've already kind of drawn up some plans in the war room and uh, we're, uh, we've got a some, somewhat laid out plan of attack as far as how we're going to do the draft and then after the draft happens we kind of get to modify decks for a couple weeks so i can kind of plan out because the schedule has already been released so we know what turn order you're going to be in we know who's going to be in the pod and we'll know after the draft what decks they'll have so we can kind of plan okay they could potentially play these decks so sideboard in these cards for this this game sideboard these in for this game etc so there's a lot of strategy involved with it that you wouldn't think because it looks just like a bunch of people just sitting around playing magic, but there's so much more to it. <laughs> we're just hoping there's that actually strategy in this game. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, <laughs> we're just hoping that for you sports ball people out there, it's not going to be a Cleveland Browns uh, type of draft, and it's going to be like uh, the the Rams last year. So, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, oh, um, I I won't give away anything else because um, I think my first move is going to be shocking to people. And I want I want that uh, to not be spoiled. Obviously, there's going to be coverage of that. I know uh, Callahan is planning on doing some retrospective podcast episodes at different intervals during the tournament. This does take place from May till August. August is when the playoffs happen. Um, so basically, a two month season, and we essentially or three month season. I'm sorry, and we essentially play. I think two games a month, like each individual person will play two games a month, something like that. So you get to 10, you end up at 10 games, I believe. And then whoever has the best record, uh, you know, at a certain cutoff goes to the playoffs and so on and so forth. Just like the sports ball. So that sounds fun. We'll see. I have no intentions on being the champion. I I just want to say that like I did like top 16 or something, you know, like let's uh, top 50%. I'm cool with. We'll see if we can go further than that. But yeah, I think that wraps it up for current events. So we can finally move into the main topic. Uh, So as I said earlier, um, we're basically, we've been kind of brainstorming ideas as far as things to talk about. And we came up with a list and I started seeing some of the things on the list that were like all kind of intertwined. So we had uh, several of those make it here and we're kind of going to just 
talk about some broad overarching things that apply to both casual and CEDH and some of the differences that might apply depending on which format you are playing. Um, so the main talking points are play patterns um, and game etiquette. Uh, and then a kind of an example of how rule zero and just etiquette in general plays into a scenario like an archetype like sax uh, being played in casual versus being played in competitive. And then also to touch on what we were already speaking of with how the community is awesome. And we see that a lot because we have curated our social network. You can apply that to cultivating and curating your pods. Uh, and, and so that you can have a positive outcome for every game night. Let's just bring up some general etiquette that has to do with just being a general human being, not <laughs> a magic player, not, uh, you know, the guy that you're trying to beat for that sweet trophy or that mox diamond or whatever, who might be an asshole and you might be mad at him, but you're not going to say that, right? Cause that's not, it's not proper etiquette. So no, you still, still want to treat people with respect when you're talking to them, especially they're playing like with strangers in the spell table day and age. Yeah. Uh, yes. And I will say that compared to the anonymity of the internet, uh, like on forums and comments and, and, and places where people just get to write text out and they have a fake name and you don't know who they are. Uh, those kinds of people sometimes will turn into keyboard warriors and just go crazy. Uh, but on spell table, I don't know if it's just because sometimes you can see their face, sometimes you can't, but you can see more of them. I don't know what it is, but I've never really had anybody abuse that anonymity in the same way. I'm sure people other than me have had bad experiences, but generally I haven't. I've seen a couple of people get pretty like rude or condescending when they're like really salty and it's made for a f- terrible experience for everyone involved. Yeah. So I've, seen, I've seen awkwardness for sure, but uh, never anything super toxic like I've seen in, in video games or other Oh yeah, nothing like nothing. Like I haven't seen that on. I haven't game. seen like super toxic on spell table. I mean, like we could go back to Twitter and talk about the toxicity that exists there. Sometimes I will say that when things don't go the way that people want them to, it can get really awkward. So I'm I'm the kind of person that'll be like, I hate you, or like, God damn it, or fuck you, or go fuck yourself. <laughs> You know, I might say those kinds of things, but at the end of the day, I'm not like actually meaning that. And yeah. I hope in the pe- in the pods, the people that I play with understand that I'm not like I actually hate you. I just hate the fact that you killed my Esper Sentinel. Yeah, I just like talking friendly shit. Right. Exactly. Right. And- I think there's, and I think that's like, I know for Fitz and I, like we're both former military, so like that's very common, like to talk to each other, like "fuck you, man," like the fuck it's just um, hanging out and, with the boys really yeah um and then i think that you just have to be careful because i realized and i actually after listening to another podcast of that i love um commander arms i realized that i might be unintentionally creating a bad play experience for other people and so 
I am now a little more careful, especially with newer people. I try to be very careful with the casual fuck yous. And the other thing as a creator that I've started doing is when I have new guests, I have a um, form that I'll send them and ask them to fill out and just let me know how they're feeling. And of course, that's always intimidating because you're like, oh, I don't want to tell her she sucked. Um, but it's completely anonymous. You don't have to sign in or anything like that. So and you have a feedback form for post stream. Yeah, that's yeah. That's, uh, wow, that's awesome. Very, that's very corporate of you. <laughs> you like to send me your evaluation <laughs> thank you it's, <laughs> it's my after action review gosh <laughs> um no so i just i i realized that and maybe that was just part of me being self-conscious but i realized that like maybe people don't like being told that they suck and to get off my dick and you know <laughs> to fuck off so, so I agree with you. You do that with, with new people. Like if I have, if I'm on a new stream or if I've had people on stream, I usually try to ask like, is it okay if I curse? Cause I will do it subconsciously and not even catch it. Mm-hmm. Like, it'll just happen. Oh, fuck. I, I know oh, all about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I always try to ask or and generally when I have people on, they've approached me to be on a lot of the time. Right. So it's like, you've probably already watched my stuff. You've probably already seen the banter we have. So, and generally yeah. it's all lighthearted and in good fun. And I don't ever think that I've ever pushed somebody over the edge with, you know, talking shit to them. Yeah. And if I did, I would apologize and I would reel it in. It's not a big yeah. deal. So that I think is um, etiquette on the other end of that is being mm-hmm. accepting of the fact that there are people out there that do curse like sailors and just because you're from the Catholic Church doesn't mean that we have to abide by your rules. Oh, they curse too. <laughs> well, obviously, <laughs> but I'm just saying. For, for private Catholic school, high school boy, and believe me, yeah, I, I, I swear more than is probably allowed. And probably my <laughs> son's first words will probably be at least four or five of those words. Oh, no. Uh, that's good. Um, yeah. <laughs> I was raised Catholic, so I feel like it can. No, for sure. And I didn't mean it in the sense of like, <laughs> no, 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 I know. I just it was like... more in the sense of like the, the do-gooders that are just like, man, we don't do that around here. Okay, fine. I've been on a stream where they were like, uh, yeah, try not to cuss. And I was like, okay, cool. And I didn't cuss. It's fine. I yeah. Do that. Yeah, but, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, to that point is was something that uh, we've already touched on with like the pronouns at the beginning of a game or just having it in your spell table. That's just a basic human. Like I prefer this thing. So just, just do it. It's not a big, it doesn't hurt you to call someone that, you know, you don't know anything about their background and you, you know, have whatever preconceived notion of this is what you are. And they say, no, I'm this. It doesn't hurt you to call them that. Right. Yeah, it, it right. takes no effort. Like I, I ask everyone to do that at me. Like I was not mm-hmm. born Fitz. Like my, my name's James, but I want everyone to call me Fitz. Right. Yeah. And that's and that's not difficult to to accommodate. No. So I, I don't I don't see where that's even an issue, but apparently it is. Um, yeah. It's not something that I've included, but like if somebody has it there, it's fine. I have a safe space on my stream for anybody that wants to come on. Uh, I've Ab- had absolutely. I've had all all genders that you want to. You know, label uh you know I, I realized after 
coincidentally, after a couple months of recording, I realized that I had had basically all white dudes on the show. And I was like, oh, I should probably change that a little bit. <laughs> and then yeah. uh, I broke I broke the ice with that um, starting this year. Uh, got Jen and Donnie on, and then she was first female on, and then it was just I had an all-girl pod not that long ago. I've had uh, Mab on. I know Callahan's coming on at another point. Like, I've had people on that are whatever part of that spectrum you want to call. Like, they've all... They've all been there, and and I, yeah. I don't give a shit. I'm, I'm here to play magic. I don't I don't care what you do with your genitals, and I, I don't <laughs> want everyone to just be happy being themselves. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And feel comfortable to be themselves around me when I'm, whether they're on my stream or like part of the communities I interact with. For sure, I will say it's crazy to me. I think that again, and this just goes back. I can't like rave about the community in general uh, more. Um, I live in the South, um, and my LGS has multiple trans women, potentially trans men, I'm not sure, um, and several gay men and like in, and gay women. And in the, like where we are, that's not something you see very commonly, but I feel like nobody questions it. If anybody comes in and says anything, they're immediately removed, um, and that's kind of how I try to run my stream and my community that I'm building because I think that magic can be a safe place. And that's what I would love to see it be and continue like it is for me. Um, so I want it to, to make it a safe place for everyone else as well. Yeah. And I think, too, there's there's a little too much of that whole like uh, SJW and white knighting and the, the negativity from the quote unquote opposition, um, so to speak. And it's, it just doesn't make sense to me. Like I, it's funny because I'm, I'm old enough to have grown up with like essentially racist parents. Like they weren't outright mm-hmm. racist cause they had that one Mexican friend, but they were fucking racist and they talked like gang of shit on all kinds of stuff all the time. Right. Uh, that was normal mm-hmm. in the eighties. That was still normal in the nineties saying negative things about anybody that wasn't like you basically mm-hmm. uh, was common and i grew up with that and it was no big deal and then uh, there's words that i don't even use anymore because it's just like they kind of lost their weight because everybody just kind of shamed them away so to speak growing so, up with a brother who is autistic i learned very very quickly that the r word was something that just wasn't appropriate and right and that's yeah. not yeah. something I say anymore. Exactly. Uh, and yeah. The, yeah. The, the yeah. F one is what I was going to say earlier. That was very much part of my vocabulary for like twenty years, and then it was just like one day it was. Just, this isn't really cool. And I yeah. remember having arguments with uh, you know family and friends over like you know, gays being able to marry, and I was like, let them suffer. Who gives a shit? <laughs> like, <laughs> like yeah. welcome to the show. Marriage is miserable. That's <laughs> right, the like, end. Who, <laughs> like, who cares who does it? Just let them have it. I think that's like what's really cool is that. Yes, we and we've all done things that we either regret or you know aren't proud of. But we can grow. And I think that, like, I, in my opinion, the magic community is doing the most to grow. And I, I appreciate that. Uh, and I think that was my, the main point I was going for with uh, yeah. growing up with all of that is that you can eventually get to a point where you're like, this is wrong. And I think uh, I'm considered a millennial, I suppose, but like elder at this point. Same. <laughs> um, 
and I think that we've done a lot to forward a lot of this progressive thinking. Yeah. And uh, I think that there's far too many people fighting against it and it doesn't make sense. Like I grew up just wanting to be happy and wanting other people to be happy. Like who, who doesn't want that? Why don't you want that? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So to kind of channel some of that emotion, how do you guys avoid getting salty when you're playing? (laughs) Uh, I laugh. (laughs) Avoid getting salty. Um, I think that, like I said, the biggest thing that for me was when I realized, I mean, one, it is just a game. Every win, every loss, it's not that big of a deal. I'm not like magic top 10 that wasn't I had to reassess what my goals were with what I was doing and why I was playing and at the end of the day like I'm not I like to win but that's not why I'm playing I'm not playing to win or lose I'm playing to spend time with friends and when you adjust your thinking and your viewpoint then it changes and I I don't play competitively because I and we talked about this last episode I felt like that would change for me. But I'm also coming to see that even the competitive community can feel that way. Like you're there to help someone get better. You're there to, you know, see that cool win. It doesn't have to just be about, oh, they killed my black Bree and now I can't do this because I can never win again and my life is over and I have to sell the cow business. (laughs) If you guys don't know what that reference is from, I'm really sorry. But you know, um, that's just it, at the end of the day, it's a game that you're playing with your friends. Why are you being an asshole? <laughs> well, I don't think salt has to necessarily mean that you're being an asshole. I think it's it just can more of like be showing, yeah. showing your frustration over just being like, OK, cool, because I've seen lots of players where you blow up the thing and you set them far back and they're just like, all right, and they move it off and then they continue to play. And then there's yeah. the other guy that's like, fuck, God damn it. You know, and gets set, and, uh, and then, uh, then it's also like trying to point at like, oh, well, why didn't you blow this up? Why didn't you blow that? And then like the yeah. game ends, and then they're like, oh, uh, you know, if you didn't do that thing, then I think the whole game would have been different. And it's me, I'm that guy. But oh god, <laughs> no, <I'm> just... <laughs> <laughs> the dark truth of his like come out. <laughs> He's uh, like, it's me. I'm attacking myself. It's me. I'm bitches. <laughs> I used I, I used to be very much the type, at least during the LGS like age, like I didn't like I didn't curse or didn't like openly get angry at my pod. I just I'm more the type to like if if I'm not going to say anything nice, anything nice, don't say anything at all. But it becomes a like I don't emotionally shut down, but I just just get very quiet and just very fixated on something and just zone out type of scenario during a pod or something like that. And for me, like I will say at least for just my social anxieties and such that spell table has been helpful, at least in terms of like recognizing like, Oh crap, I'm doing that. But also just set miniature objectives within the course of a game. Say if I'm playing my mono green beats deck and stuff like that, if I can get one creature out, then I've effectively won the game in my mind or something along those lines. But it's just, just a small things now, especially in the world that we live in. Yeah. yeah. Setting an arbitrary goal is not bad. Um, and I've had lots of games where it was like, 
uh, I, Dan's famous for saying it. Dan of uh, Moderately Anonymous. He's he's famous for saying, you know, I died doing what I love because he cast Adnaz and killed himself, essentially. And that's <laughs> something only comp players are going to relate to. But, I mean, I've done it so many times. Yeah, I was going to say, I just played a game on my stream tonight. Um, the player was playing the, her Phage deck. She was, like, sucking pretty hard. She didn't really have an impact on the game, but she did get a cast fade from her hand and not lose, and she's like, that's a win for me. So right. I think there's yeah. a lot of value in, um, like, celebrating your deck doing a certain thing. Or mm-hmm. also, if I'm, like, really fucking losing and, like, not having a good time, try and celebrate the players that are doing well, like, seeing their deck perform good. Mm-hmm. Or or just shutting the fuck up and just sitting there and not saying anything at all. Right. I think that answer is most likely the one that's best for most people. Just bite your tongue. <laughs> yeah, if you're like really, really salty, it's you're not you're just gonna like probably dampen the mood, and it's like it's something to work on. Everyone could yeah. be better at it, like mm-hmm. myself included. What about in-game action etiquette? Um, there's there's cards like uh, Mister Grimora or Ristic Study or Esper Sentinel, Smothering Tithe. I mean, the list goes on and on. Um, most of these see play in both casual and competitive. Although I'd say it's kind of a split between some of those cards, which see more play uh, in each place. But regardless, how do you guys feel about a paying your taxes or B feeding the fish uh, and not necessarily in that order in, in the sense of it's hard, it's hard to frame the question, but essentially there is an argument to be made for not feeding the fish, always paying your taxes or just not playing the spell. If you can't, and then there's an argument, and by fish, I mean all the things I've na- I've named because uh, it's kind of all synonymous with paying a thing and they get to draw a card or make a treasure or, or do some positive effect because you didn't pay a tax. So in the sense of there's an argument to be made for not feeding and paying your taxes, and then there's an argument to be made for when there's an appropriate time to actually feed something because you're super far behind. Say you're going turn four or I'm sorry, you're going fourth place in in its turn two. Somebody played a fish, and everybody else had already dropped everything. And it's like the guy before you drops the fish. Everybody else played out all their fast mana. They've got a good board state, and you're hopelessly behind. Are you going to play that one land and pass? Or are you going to play the soul ring? Or are you going to play the chrome mox and the mox diamond uh, and just feed the guy who has the fish? The problem is he dumped his hand, and you're probably going to refill it which is bad, but you're also so far behind that if you only play a land, it's also bad. So it's kind of a catch 22, but I think there are ways that you can kind of navigate that depending on overall board states. Um, thoughts. Uh, yeah. I think um, when it comes to the lesser mana value ones, like when I, I play a lot of Ristic studying casual and you know, people are like, Oh, the card's so strong. It's like, well, not if you treat it like a Thalia, Right, mm-hmm. your spells just cost one more mana, and that's why I didn't name Thalia or any of those because those require a, yeah. a cost. They're not asking, <laughs> "Do you pay the one?" Hence, mm-hmm. the name of the show. But in in <laughs> casual and competitive, I evaluate uh, Ristic Study just as a as a Thalia, and I pay it as much as I possibly can. Same and that's a good rule. I, I I would say it also also depends upon the orientation of the board, meaning is this person far ahead of the other three players? Where are they in terms of resource gains or resources that are available in terms of their hand, their mana, etc.? 
and really kind of that that in and of itself dictates like okay do i have maybe say in a competitive pod do i have the ability to win the game do i have the will i be causing that player to draw a card and possibly draw into some interaction it's something to think about it's a obviously a gray area but i think that it just really comes down to at least in more casual mid or high power levels where exactly are they in terms of their resources that are available or can be used but you're just feeding them resources if you aren't willing to pay true kind of like however answering the question but but the thing is is that like in the the scenario that i propose if you're hopelessly behind sometimes you have to because oh, yeah, if you, don't, if you yes. don't, you're you're just going to be so far behind. You never get into the game. In what the scenario you put forth, I would probably play into the Mystic or more. Because if you don't, you're just probably out of that game. Now, yeah, if it's Aristic, that's different. Because then you play the land, and then you pass turn, and then on your second turn, it, you can play the the free rock and pay for it while still having another land to maybe do something else and only feed it twice instead of three times. Uh, yeah. And you, you can kind of you know negate some of the losses there. Um, I also think that it's okay if, uh, like RJ said, given the state of the board, let's say there's only one blue player in the pod that's likely to have the interaction to stop you because the other players are not on blue, so they're going to have to use uh, permanent base removal, which is probably not going to do it on the stack. So that blue player is tapped out, and given the, the status of the game, you already know they only have like two cards in their hand, and the likelihood of one of them being a free counterspell is slim, so you're just like, I'm going to jam this. However, that's the player that also has the Ristic, so you're, you're kind of gambling. But sometimes you just have to go for it. Sometimes you get it. Sometimes you don't. And it's not often, I think, that the Ristic player or the Mystic player ends up winning the game because of being fed, unless everybody, because I've seen this happen more than once, where the first guy's like, well, I'll just feed it once. I'm going to land Soul Ring. And so they draw a card. And then the next guy's like, well, he did it, so I'm going to land Soul Ring into Arcane Signet. So now he's got three cards. And then the next guy's like, well, they did it, so now I have to do it. And then he's like, gives him two more cards. And now they've drawn so, a ton for one mana. Yeah, and better than Festival Recall. Them, you've set them up for the win at that point, I think. So mm-hmm. I, I think it is kind of a decision that the table has to kind of make when that particular piece comes down. And some players are just going to not care, and they're going to do the thing. And I think that's kind of poor etiquette. I think everybody should kind of – you don't necessarily have to have a conversation about it, but I think most people do. Yeah, I, I usually bring it up right at a CDH table. Even at casual, someone else plays Ristic Study. I'm like, we should you know, like pay for that. You know, It's not that Or as soon as you hard. get a nature's claim, kill that. Yeah. Thing. One other point that is just a source of contention for me because I've seen people try to play it is uh, Pact Indication. Um, Pact Negation is a free counterspell. Costs zero mana, but on your next upkeep, you have to pay two blue and three colorless to avoid losing the game immediately. I've seen people try to jam it when they did not have the mana to play it on their upkeep. So they're basically Ooh. throwing their life away to stop your win, and that's that's salt-inducing, uh, if, if, if anything is. So I, I don't think that's cool. Every pot I've ever played in, We've said, like, somebody who's like, okay, somebody presents a win, the priority goes around the table, and that guy get, it gets to that guy that has the pact, and he's like, well, I have this pact, but I only have three mana, so I'm not going to cast it. 
and the game moves on, the player wins, and that's that's it. But I, I can imagine scenarios where people aren't doing that, and they are playing it, and just out of spite or whatever. That's just a no-no to me. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that I think that's bad. That's bad form. That's not very you know encouraging. It's not, it's a, it's a not good sportsmanlike. Game. No, not at all. <laughs> and I would say that still. I also applies in casual games too. Like if someone's like really going off, and you're gonna like you're on your way out. Don't like counter their last spell and die. Right, or blow up something on their board. Another well, point to uh, to pack is um, the flip side of it. If a guy goes to his untap and then draws a card and forgets about his pack trigger, you don't have to be a dick and be like, eh, you lost. Like, right. you can remind the person, like, uh, you have a pack trigger. And most people will be like, oh, shit. And then they pay it. And then they go, okay, I'm not doing anything. And they pass their turn. I'm so fucking bad for that. Where I'm like, oh, yeah, I do it. And then I like, kind of set it aside to remember. And then I'm trying to, like, especially because a lot of CDH I play is on streams, like, trying to be quick. And then you're like, oh, no. Yeah, I just drew my card. Like, oh, yeah, that's that's so bad at magic. It's a thing, and we've all done it. And I mean, I've done it with Slaughter Pact. I've done it with uh, Summoning Pact. Like, it's not, it's not the only card that has that line of text on it. So I just, I just think it's yeah, like you said, bad form. Yeah, to uh, do either of those things. The last thing I'd want to bring up as far as gameplay etiquette goes is, uh, especially in this day of age, day and age of spell table where everybody's playing online and I can take my hand off of the table to where you can't see it as far as where the camera is. And I could literally put anything in there. If I wanted to, you could have an entire deck off to the side. It's just like, Oh, I need this right now. Put it in my hand. Cool. This is my hand. And nobody would really know the difference. And it is kind of a thing that's played on the honor system because there's a lot of information that is hidden because you can't see a person's face in, in, in the sense of like, kind of a, like playing poker, you know, somebody yeah. might have a really good poker face Whereas somebody else might give a tell that they have a counter spell because they always tap their finger on the fucking table or whatever. You know what I'm saying? So one one major point of emphasis is is trying to keep your hand on the table as much as possible. Obviously, when you're going to pick it up and you're looking at it, you're not going to you know display it in front of the camera so that everybody can see what you have. But you still need to be able to perform certain game actions where your hand is kind of separate from what you're doing with the other cards. So like you're not going to hold your hand in your hand and then also pick up your deck and tutor and shuffle. Right. So you should probably also do that with things like Sylvan library. I've made a stink about it with people I've played with where they were holding their hand and they'll pick the three cards off the top and put them in their hand. And it's like, well, how do I know that you're putting back those two, but there weren't actually like you're brainstorming over here when actually you're supposed to be resolving this as a separate kind of pile. Right. So uh, my advice for people in this scenario is if you have a Sylvan library or something else that you know makes you manipulate other cards besides your hand, set your hand down on the table where it's visible and then do the thing in camera view. So you can kind of tilt your cards in a way where you can see them and go, hey, I'm going to put back these two or this one. I'm going to take the four damage and then put it into your hand. It's not a hard thing to do and it keeps people from being suspicious of cheating because... I mean, how many times have you played with somebody where you're like, damn, dude, every time I play with you, you always have a turn one Rhystic or turn one Mystic or turn one, you know, carpet. Yeah, for sure. And I really like that idea, like what you're saying about putting your uh, your hand on the on, like, on your play mat spread out so people can see how many cards you're holding, too. And another one thing I like doing is uh, when I'm drawing a lot of cards, like say you're like drawing 10 cards at once or something uh, in casuals, like count them out so everyone can see that rather than you just like 
keep pulling cards off the top. It can be kind of hard for your opponent to get yeah, a Yeah, because somebody, some people will do the whole, like, yeah, one off the top, one, one. Instead, what I always do is I put my hand down, and then I'll grab, I'll pinch some off the top. And then I'll count them out on camera, like you said. And then put the rest, if I drew, if I grab too many, put the rest back on top so people can see. And then move that to my hand and then pick it up. And it's it seems silly, but those elaborate gestures and motions uh, do a lot over camera. And it's also good for content because you can the people who are watching can tell that you're not fixing the games. Or at least to the best of their knowledge. You know what I mean? Uh, well, I want to talk about Rule Zero. Uh, because that has kind of been, especially with the RC, uh, their posturing and the things that they've talked about on their blogs and on Twitter and anywhere else you might find information from them. Uh, a lot of what they've talked about is rule zero. And there's been a lot of conversation about ban lists and it's just every little thing because people are going to complain about whatever they can complain about. They're going to want to suggest improvements where they think they can. Um, and the RC ultimately has the last say in that outside of rule zero. And that's kind of their catch all for everything and anything that people might complain about because rule zero is essentially a conversation you have with, with the particular pot of people that you're playing with that you kind of set an expectation as to what everybody wants to uh, have happen during that game of magic. So the expected thing is, you, know, you sit down and you say, hey, I'm playing this deck. This is what it does. If that's offensive to you, I will play something different. And everybody else will kind of share the same information. Uh, also, power level discussions. There's a ton of layers to rule zero. We don't have to get super nitty gritty into that. But uh, a good example, I'm only pulling this up because it happened to me recently. I, was a, um, I, w- I had some guests on my stream and... We were playing casual, and I'm primarily a CDH player, but I started with casual. I went through the arms race. We talked about all that stuff last week or last episode. I primarily play the high-powered stuff because I enjoy that more, but I still have a soft spot for casual, and I still like building what I consider busted decks within the parameters of being non-CDH. But I still have like particular building restrictions that I place on myself, that I don't think are crazy, but you know, to each their own, everybody's going to have a different, different definition of what they think is, is good for casual. What's good for, for non-casual, et cetera. The, the thing that, that sparked this was that I was playing in a casual pod and somebody presented a hard lock in casual. And I was shocked because I've seen that all the time in CDH, but I never had ever had a hard lock played on me in casual and the per- when I brought it up, the person was kind of like, eh, don't care. Like, it's, it seems fine to me. And I've, I've heard a lot of sentiment similar with, uh, I mean, Hull Breacher got banned for this reason because people were playing in casual and it's kind of a feels bad thing. It was feels bad in CDH too, but we accept the feels bads. Well, I was going to say the lock in particular that they locked you out of the game with was Dranith, Dranith Magistrate and Ubermask. So they basically stripped you of a hand and left you with no way to cast spells, which is ha- which is like how do you is very hard to play out of. It is even in CEDH, it's hard to play out of, which is why it's a good thing in CEDH because it's a way to win the game for particular decks that don't have combo win cons. I guess you could say <laughs> for sure. But in like a more social environment, those types of things, I, even I would probably scoff at that. I would be like, "Wow, I didn't." 
didn't expect that type of interaction out of a player. That was that. my exact reaction. I was like, okay, like the Dranith came down and I was like, okay, fine. I've seen this in casual plenty of times. You're locking somebody out of casting free shit from their library and, oh, and their commander most and their the commander. Right. And that's usually the, the end of it. Uh, in this case, it was, yeah, the Uba mask came down afterwards. And then there was kind of a chuckle like, okay, this is this is my casual deck. It does this and this and this. At the beginning, we kind of had a, a rule zero conversation. So I didn't expect anything like that. There was no mention of that in any sort of pregame conversation either, which is the kind of thing that you probably should include. Definitely. Uh, because it would turn off a lot of people. <laughs> but um, as soon as that happened, it was like, really? Wow. Um, I've not seen this played in casual ever. All I've ever seen this in is CDH. And usually it's only played when you can win the game. And it was just played as like a, okay, I have a couple kind of flying beater things out and I'm going to lock it out. So it was kind of the similar sort of game plan to win, but it was also just like shocking to me. So I I don't know. Uh, I was curious as to what your guys' thoughts were because um, to me, stacks is a kind of a CDH thing. It's not really a casual thing. I know certain hate bears are, are totally fine. Uh, Dranith is totally fine, uh, but I, I don't think that like hard locks, I mean like stasis locks or you know getting stuck under winter orbs, I, like none of that seems like a casual player would be cool with that. And I, I like I said, I've, I had not seen it before, so I I personally don't enjoy those things in my casual games. So it just slows them down, and I'd like them to be more have a more proactive tempo. Where like and the casual main- is slow enough already. <laughs> yeah like i i'm like i my ideal game of edh is like an hour and 15 minutes ish you know my counter at least would be is that like in 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 the place of stacks pieces there's often at least in more casual mid or high there's actually the presence of board wipes which is something that hasn't been present in cedh for a long time outside of maybe right. say the occasional pyroclasm or something like that in a or psych rift exactly <laughs> yeah so, so so really at the end of the day i think that Casual kind of does its own kind of policing in terms of a removal suite, which kind of operates in the space of what stack should be, or at least that's how at least I would view at least the type of pods that I've experienced when it comes to mid, high, etc. Yeah, I have to agree. Um, I think when it comes to casual, a lot of people maybe forget how their deck is going to interact. So when it comes to casual, I think the problem comes where like, you build this cool thing and you put it together and you're like, I love it. I love it. I love it. And then you look at the table that you're playing with and maybe this is just me, but then you've been playing by yourself for 45 minutes and that's not fun for anybody. So it's got to be one of those things where you have to like, you have to have that role zero conversation and you have to be honest about it. And some people are like, Oh, I don't want to tell you what my deck does. Okay. Well, then I'm going to find out eventually. So can you tell me if I'm going to hate it? I, I've been guilty of that too, where like, uh, not not guilty of it, but like have seen that kind of interaction happen where like I was playing like me and a friend whose deck I already know went and played with randoms off of a different server. And then as things were happening, I was like, Hey, we have to be aware this thing is happening because this is the deck he plays. And that person got mad at me. And I was like, well, but dude, like it's known information to me. And I'm like, 
I can't do anything about it. So I'm telling them so they maybe can do something about it. Like, so I don't lose. It's not, there's no, there's no, I don't think that's wrong from an etiquette standpoint, which kind of ties that into this. No, not at all. I think that, um, and that that's a thing that I think happens more in casual than in CDH because in CDH, yeah. there are known quantifiers. There are known decks. There are known good cards. If a deck, you, you don't even need to know what the commander does. If you see a pairing of colors, you know what's in the list already. If it's Grixis, it's going to have Brain Freeze, Underworld Breach, LED. It's going to have Demonic Consultation, Thassas. It's going to have free counter spells. It's going to have fast rocks. Like you, you just know that. And that's kind of what I like about it too, is that it's kind of a more known quantity as far as the meta goes. But that's also why I like casual to kind of break out of that once in a while and just go, here's this silly elf ball deck. Let's see what it can do. Yeah. Well, and I think too, like we all like to think that we're running these like unique individual things, but oh, we're not. At, we're not. <laughs> Definitely not. We're not. Okay. Like there's only, you can put all 500,000 magic cards or whatever into your commander deck at least some of them, and, you know, think that you have this unique thing. But when it comes down to it, there's really only a couple different themes that are in Magic throughout. Yeah. And so... There's major archetypes. Yeah, if your wing con relies on you not telling your pod what you're playing, then you're not playing Magic. Still playing Magic, but it's like, yeah, I I don't know. It just seems disingenuous. I want everyone to have the best game experience possible. And like, so I think where that comes from maybe is uh, tournament play sort of, uh, or competitive play in the, in the sense of like officially. Uh, so one V one standard or modern or whatever, like has had tournaments in the past. And like you, you, uh, your deck list is, I think public knowledge, at least to the judges and, and whatnot, like they have. Yeah, to no, everybody knows your deck list. Those deck lists are posted on um, all kinds of different websites. That's where a lot of these deck builds come from. Well, I thought that like, those weren't posted until like after the results. I didn't know they were posted prior to uh, what I was, what I was getting as I thought that people went into it blind in a competitive setting and just had to prepare for like, these are the top meta decks. I have to prepare for all of them. And that's just kind of how it went. But that's standard and that's different. I was just trying to make an analogy to the, the sense of like, if people are applying that to EDH in the sense of like, I don't want you to know what it is because I want you to be surprised. And I get the appeal of that for the player, but for everybody, yeah. every opponent, it's not it's not a good thing. Right. So I've played a couple decks uh, that I were casual, that were stacks prior to getting into CEDH. And I just was met with basically like complete hatred every time I played the deck. So I was like, I don't want to do this. So, and then I found CDH and like, now I can play those decks and nobody cares. Like they'll, they'll still moan and groan, but at the end of the day, they're not going to talk shit or get salty. They're just like, yeah, you played a rule of law. I'm only going to play one spell a turn. No big deal. Yeah. Eventually I'll remove that rule of law and then I'm going to combo off. Was that part of like your personal arms race? Basically. Yeah, I think it's a different way of looking at it. Like, there's very much the I want to win and you're making me not win. That's casual. And then the CEDH comes from, okay, you've played this card. It's how do I overcome it? And And I think that could translate to casual. It's just not enough people to do it. Absolutely. And I think that's where if, if I do anything, 
Um, and if we do anything, like the goal is to get out of that mindset that you have to be gate kept out of CEDH, that you can play at that level and that playing at that level and with that mindset doesn't make the game less fun. Well, also, I don't think that there's anybody gatekeeping people from playing CEDH. I think that there's more of a uh, stigma against people who play CEDH. And that's uh, probably a whole nother topic, but oh yeah, I think we could talk about that all day. (laughs) I I just I have I've just read enough like anti-competitive discourse (laughs) that it it feels like it. It reminds me a lot of uh, playing an MMO that has PvP servers and non-PvP servers and everybody Mm -hmm. talking shit to each other, and it's kind of the same same mindset. Yeah. And the same kind of group group think that is silly because there's no reason why you can't play both. Right. Literally. There's no reason why you can't because you'll learn something from, I've learned a lot from playing CDH as far as deck building for casual. I've learned how yeah. to lower my curve. I've learned how to be more efficient. I've learned how to build decks that don't require all the fast mana and tutors, but can still be effective. And I wouldn't have learned that without, going to CEDH and like having decks that have like a 1.10 fucking average CMC, you know, like where it's literally all one drops and then like I'm peering to the abyss, <laughs> you know, like you learn how to build differently when you go into different formats. And that's why I'm a big proponent of doing the different formats on or variants, I should say on my YouTube channel, like the artisan and the, the plane chase and the two V two and the uh, no ban list and you know, popper uh we we've done pretty much everything casual high power i i've done everything that i can think of to try and show that you can still have a good time and you can still build decks that do things that are fun and exciting and busted and, and it doesn't matter what play what, what level that you're playing at and i think that that's where you find a traditional person who is like, I'm just playing casual because I play standard or modern, just like the guys who were judges who created the game uh, or the variant of EDH. They were judges. They were tournament grinders. They got sick of all of that. And they were like, I want to just play busted dumb shit. They created the EDH format. All of us love it now. Uh, And they were kind of against the whole thing of CEDH and CDH has become its own thing and we still can decompress and go play EDH. Just like somebody who plays EDH all the time can be like, you know what? I, today I don't want to hear anybody's whining about my stacks deck. I'm just going to go and play stacks against people who understand that like this isn't a big deal and they're not going to cry about it. Or me. I can just now play a, a blue X deck with 15 counter spells. No one's going to be like, Fitz is being the fucking fun police. It's like, yeah, I am. And I mean that's it's still needed in in EDH. That's that's the thing. Oh, for sure. It's silly. It's like people are like, "Oh, I don't like counter spells cuz they're not fun. I don't like stacks cuz they're not fun." But like you would actually probably balance out your EDH decks if people played more interaction and played more of this. And, and we've we've heard it all before. It's it's internet but like even like it's even my uh mono white equipment deck, it plays a fa- like a five or six hate bears. It's a yeah, I mean, why like, wouldn't you? Yeah, and it's the Axis in which my operate decks like will make my deck work is if I can slow down my opponent some, or else the Simic player is going to win the game 
long before I put my third sword on uh, Balin, unless I blow up all their lands, and I don't, I don't enjoy playing Armageddon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's another contentious t- topic. But even, even despite the fact that land destruction is totally fine in CDH, I've never seen anybody who ca- hates on that. Uh, hardly anybody plays it. It's still not played there because that social contract is so ingrained, uh, and it's honestly a thing that makes white better than what it is currently. It's, it's one of the tools that it has to <laughs> it break parity and do things, and it can't do it because people are like, that's not fun. And I don't think that's fair, because I love white. Uh, I play a lot a lot of white. <laughs> Most of my decks yeah, are white. Yeah, I know you do. Like, yeah, I could play uh, Fall of the Thran on my mono white decks. Probably the fairest land destruction card, because they get... I mean, there's yeah, Magus of the Balance, too. It's yeah. like, you know, you get to keep something. <laughs> uh, but I, I think that that's, that's kind of, it's just, it's a thing where there's a lot of those stigmas and then they're perpetuated. And then again, we have all of our little echo chambers amongst our social media and our peers and whatnot. And so that gets parroted back and forth. And then people have their, their line in the sand and they're not willing to cross it. And I think that a lot of people just crossed it. Beth's a good example. She's been talking about, I've been playing nothing but casual. I don't really have an interest in competitive, but talking to some of us is like, you know, I actually, I can see where this could be fun because I don't have to hear people whine. I don't have to hear the bitching and moaning. Like there's this and that other benefit. And I think that a lot of that can translate well backwards uh, for people who are trying to depower their decks or just want to play something different. There's something for everyone. So I don't see why everybody can't just like agree that magic is a fun game. And we all like it. So let's just like talk about it and figure it out. Yeah, that's the big thing is talking about it. Uh, as much as people love magic and love talking about magic, they don't like talking about some of their like own uh, expectations and the, some of the social aspects of playing Commander. They're like a little shy about that. I mean, I noticed that I get sometimes three random people together off the internet for my streams. And it's like, okay, well, this I'm pretty uh, good about communicating the things i'm looking for but sometimes people are like oh i don't know i just want to play this deck i'm like well are you gonna fucking like win on turn four out of the blue or something (laughs) (laughs) well i mean to be fair that's something like i said with with me learning from playing cdh and going back to casual like i built a varen list that's on dragon's approach it's like 20 copies and it's just a manual storm list but i've won on turn three four multiple times and it's like it's I couldn't play it in CDH. It wouldn't work. People would yeah. beat me, but people don't understand that unless they play CDH. So like, and I, another point I wanted to make earlier during all of this was that I think the format right now or the, the meta is in a very healthy place. Uh, we, we talked about that last, last episode, but it, it's in a very healthy place to where ever since like basically commander legends, there's just been such an influx of legendaries and things to build around. And like the format isn't solved. People oh, are still coming up with so many different combinations of things. And like uh, RJ, was it you that was just talking about like Arden and uh, what was the other one? Um, the bird with the war. Oh, ECR. Yeah. Yeah. Everything is available. I mean, every type of archetype is, is being catered to and it's growing. And I mean, like it, Equipment alone, like this past set from Kamigawa, is just gotten a huge boon. And Arden X decks basically just got enough tools to dance their way to the freaking bank. So, 
Oh, my my Arden Kamal loved adding Lion Sash and that Kieran. Absolutely. So, su- such good cards. Yeah, yeah, there's just so many tools. I mean, like, yeah, most most different archetypes are being catered to, unless you're talking about, like, um, what? I mean, I mean, I mean, like, even Affinity got, like, some toys back from Modern Horizons 2. I was trying to just, like, think of, like, Modular and stuff like that. Like, no, even, even Modular's been catered to in this past year. Like, there's there's something for everyone right now to break wide open and make your expression unique to a degree. And I, I think people need to not be afraid to brew in unexplored spaces because, well, me particularly, I was talking to Sakara about they basically uh, pioneered the whole Ardentana, the hipster stacks. And it's a great list. It's awesome. It, I, I took inspiration from it when I was building my Arden list um, along with the, uh, Mind Sculptors podcast where they all brewed three different versions of Arden with different partners. Um, that's kind of where I, I drew inspiration from as well. And there's just so many different archetypes and different weird shit and like uh, modern and legacy decks that are being translated somehow into Commander just because there's enough redundancy over the years of printings of things that instead of having a four of, you just have four different cards that do the same thing, right? So it's there. You just have to be able, willing to get on Scryfall and dig and, and figure stuff out. I was a nobody. I came up with a list and put it, uh, submitted it to the database and got it posted. You know, anybody can do it. Like I'm, yeah. I'm, no, I'm nobody special. You just have to brew something you believe in, test it, make it better, submit it. Maybe it'll get there. Also, Scryfall is the ultimate resource Agreed. for building commander decks. If, Hell yeah. The more you use it, the better you get at it, the more you'll learn about it. It, it is a fantastic resource. Um, it, better than EDH Rec at this point. Oh, yeah. I, EDH, I rarely use it. EDH yeah. Rec and Gatherer can take a backseat to Scryfall. Absolutely. And and the yeah. fact that Moxfield has incorporated that into their search algorithms is another boon to its favor. I'll be honest. Uh, I use all three um, in tandem, but I do that um, through Moxfield generically most of the time. I, when I deck build, I like to start with like my commander, obviously, and my base idea and then build around that. And I think that for newer players, especially EDH rec is great because it, can teach you stuff that you didn't know. I don't know all 10,000 cards. I don't even know all the relevant cards for Commander. Um, so, like, when I'm building an out of my, like, general comfort zone, I definitely go there and, like, look at this or look at that and look at what I want to put in there. I will say um, the problem that I have with EDH Rec um, and building my own decks personally, and I think this kind of seeps over into casual gameplay, is that I see all of the best cards and I want to put them all in my deck. And then that's where we start to get that power creep and that, you know, ultimate combos off in turn three. And people are like, well, what the fudge? This is casual. And I'm like, well, I just wanted my deck to do things. Yeah, I can understand just like everyone wants to kind of pack like... The, the strongest possible cards into their deck and usually that's the same like 15 or 20 like staples of our format or at least in the particular color combinations that you're working on that do the thing or enable you to do the thing faster than everyone else so i i don't know maybe, maybe it's just me like i i tend to view like 
uh, gatherer as kind of like a social sorcerer thing. And in terms of like a Venn diagram, I think that like gatherer is probably like the smallest circle. I think, yeah. I think that EDH rec is probably like a slightly bigger circle to a degree. Mm-hmm. But then I think that Scryfall is probably like the biggest circle or, or at least if we're thinking in terms of the uh, old, uh, like small brain, big brain, supernova brain. I think that, <laughs> I, th- I, th- I, th- I, th- I think that that's probably like the, the trio that I would uh, incorporate when it comes to like say gatherer, EDH rec, Scryfall. It's, it's, I think that people are absolutely right for utilizing their uh, staples and those particular cards, but don't be afraid to go outside your comfort zone, search for a particular line of text somewhere and try to see if you can turn some heads. Yeah. I was going to say like, uh, like with using something like EDA track, it's a good, it's a great resource, especially as you're like learning about the format and what you want to get out of it. It's great. Especially for newer commanders, you can just look at, see some of the the hot new tech for that commander and go from there. I build a lot of in casual, like weird theme decks around restrictions. So something like Scryfall is better for me because I can like look up whatever line of text I built my commander around or use the lore function and be like, show me all the cards with Nicobolus flavor text, shit like that. Not not to kind of, uh, I don't know, like just circle back again, but Josh from Elder Drunken Highlander uh, was my inspiration for a particular brood that I'm attempting to just modify a couple of core cards from their list. But um, Hamza, the uh, Selesnia legend from Commander Legends that essentially gives affinity to card uh, creatures that you cast with plus one, plus one counters on it. They used a modular theme for that. Yeah. And, 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 and I've just been enamored with that, essentially turning it into a Selesnia version of Animar. And I just think that it, it, it's so much fun to just brew outside of whatever the recommended archetype is for a particular commander. That, that kind of stuff is what I love about not not just CD, just brews in right. general. Absolutely. But um, I, I interact with a lot of guys that play CDH, guys and gals. They all are constantly posting stuff on Twitter where it's like, oh, this and this and this does this. And I'm like, holy shit, I never thought of that. That's amazing. Like, And then, oh, what deck can I put this in? The, as soon as spoiler season hits, you don't even have to think, really. Because somebody's already found all the combos that exist. Or maybe not all, but, you know big prominent ones that are pretty obvious like that you don't you might look like a good example was like swift reconfiguration people immediately saw that and were like oh devoted druid instant combo infinite mana i didn't see that at first i saw swift reconfiguration i was like what what would you even do with this card so i was like really bad minds i thought it was just a really bad removal spell at first i was like oh this is some weird removal spell or like protect your thing spell I was right, like, I was yeah. like Dark Steel Mutation, but for one mana. But absolutely, yeah, agreed. Yeah, that was that was my thought too. And then somebody was like, "Oh, you can use this and break something." And it was like, "Oh shit, that's great!" And it went in my Sithis list because it was that good. I was already running, uh, you know, it's an enchantment that triggers Sithis, uh, and then a creature that's not a dead card if I draw it early because it still is a mana dork. So I mean, win win. And that kind of stuff is awesome. But um, to kind of finally round things out here, we've been talking a lot about Rule Zero and about different expectations, different ways to avoid emo- getting overly emotionally charged, 
just the general etiquette of playing a game with multiple people uh, and having different expectations and having those met or uh, not met. Let's talk about curating pods. So we obviously have already kind of touched on this a little bit, uh, especially with curating kind of our social media presence and who we interact with. But you can't completely shut out the whole world, obviously, because the way Twitter and other social media programs work is that uh, somebody you follow likes something from somebody else, you can see it. Somebody that you don't follow likes something from somebody you do follow, you might be able to see it. Somebody comments in a thread. All of a sudden, you're having a conversation with a stranger, and then you realize, hey, this person's cool. You follow, they follow, and your circle just expanded. So that's going to happen to everybody naturally over time as you're a part of these types of communities. And for a lot of us who are doing the social media thing uh, and the, the content creation thing, uh, they kind of go hand in hand in the sense of you're building your own community. And I think a lot of creators feel that way in that they have this group of people who follow them, who support them either just by following or monetarily. Um, and that, you know, are willing to buy their merch and wear their merch and, you know, all those kinds of things, different layers that go into that. But generally you have your core followers. Those are people that are like your ride or dies that are like, yes, we love what you do. We're here to support you. And then you've got the outliers and other places where you're trying to grow on top of that. That kind of is your core group of people that you're probably going to play with the most. And that's kind of how you curate to a degree. But I think we could get a little more nuanced than that. Um, I don't know. That's the blanket. Uh, what, what what are some thoughts from you guys? Uh, you should play magic with the people you like playing magic with. Like first and foremost, right? If you are meet someone new and you jam a couple games and you just like weren't having a good fucking time like maybe that's not someone you should play with absolutely even if they're on like a discord that you're a part of regularly and see that and see that person if you don't have good games with them like don't force yourself to play magic with them i think that's a good good rule of thumb i would say that like um, unless you're coming into the format just as just as a beginner or anything like that and if you try, say, like play EDH or you try any of the bigger uh, servers or options out there or a big LGS, once you find one or two people that you genuinely enjoy playing with, ask about mutuals. Ask about somebody else that you know that they've had great games with. And then eventually you can start building out pods and associations and friendships and things from there and it just expands in terms of web because honestly Islane, like you came on my radar as a result of just some good conversations from some good mutuals and i saw your stuff and i'm like absolutely and we started chatting and we hit it off and from there like we've had a couple of games on your channel and i've gotten in some games from with them too so it just continually just keeps on expanding from there Everybody you're interacting with in that space, like you said, you didn't know me. You got in, you got introduced to me by some mutuals thread, and we interacted, and then you were like, cool, this is somebody I want to interact with, and then we exchanged info and do-to-do-to-do. Uh, that, therefore, uh, you know, translates to me meeting Fitz by proxy, or like me meeting Jen and Donnie by proxy led me to Beth. If, if that makes sense. It, it, it still stands true that like you're not only interacting with the people immediately, but you're interacting with people that they know. It's it's a simple marketing thing. One person mm-hmm. tells one person, they tell another person, and that multiplies as it goes on. So your 
reputation, as it were, is going to go beyond just where you directly interacted. Whenever so being a good yeah. person is going to be reflected when somebody's like, oh, hey, you know, that guy's commenting on this other mutuals thing. And you're like, oh, hey, he's good people. Listen to him. And then they follow him and then they get introduced to their whole like sub sphere. And it just goes exponentially from there. I would just say just like just a good like, I don't know, just like good thing to do is that at least what I've done is whenever I've guessed it on somebody else's stream, I usually just like will do like a tweet out afterwards and I'll just do like a commentary on like how the games flowed, how they felt and be just like, I had a great time. I had a good time. And then I just cite out players and try to do some call outs and just try to be like outside of just like just praise or congrats or acknowledgement in game. Just be like, this person did something that was really awesome. And so just try to get some extra recognition on them. Yeah. And that's, I think the biggest thing of it uh, is, is that you're going to curate pods that you want to hang out with uh, by being who you want to hang out with. If you're the asshole of the group, you're probably not getting a whole bunch of extra follows. Right. So you're probably just not getting invited back to play very often. <laughs> right. Yeah. So if you make a good impression, somebody's going to invite you back. Somebody else is going to see your things. I, I can't count. It, there's been several times where somebody mentioned me or me by proxy somewhere. And I was like, wait, are you talking about me? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, like I didn't even know people knew who I was yet. You know? So yeah, uh, your, your stuff gets out there. And, uh, but I've also had the negative comments like, oh, I, I've, somebody called me out for saying I had a bad attitude in the game. And I was like, I, I don't know. Maybe I was having a bad day. <laughs> like maybe I'd had a few beers. It was a little salty. It happens. Like <laughs> we're not fucking robots, right? I definitely uh, um like if I have a bad experience, I will definitely tell people that I play with. So, and it's not even like to try to talk shit. It's more so just sharing with my friends. Like, oh goodness, like I played with this person and it was kind of like awkward and we'll talk about it. Um, but the, the, I wouldn't say problem, but the thing is, is that when I talk to my friends, everybody knows. So this isn't a threat, anybody, uh, (laughs) but like we talk to each other. So like if we've had a bad experience, it's not trying to prejudge anybody or anything like that, but everybody knows for better or for worse. Yeah. I don't, um, I don't think there are many secrets when everybody's out in the public eye anyway. I mean, thinking about it now, I feel kind of bad, but I think that it's good in a way because we get to share our experiences with our friends and we get to further curate, but that just like you were saying, like, that's how I found you guys. That's how I found some of my favorite people to play with. Yeah. I think it was like you, I was, talking like it was like a chain between Donnie and Jen led me to talking with you. And then uh, Trenton talked to me and he's actually been on my show and you haven't. Well, now you're on the podcast. So I guess you (laughs) get that Trenton, (laughs) but still he he was on the show uh, earlier this month and he's going to be on the show next month. So like been very open about just like a blanket. Here you go. Whoever wants to join, hit me up and Mm -hmm then most of them have been content creators or by proxy know somebody that I know or right. were recommended by somebody that I know. So it ends up being a thing like where 
their reputation is good. It speaks for itself. So if they're cool with this person, then this person's probably cool people too. And yeah. it kind of just goes from there. Eventually, the, the, the bad seeds get weeded out. But I, I think <laughs> what the main thing that we want to remember is, is that nobody's perfect. Everybody's mm-hmm. going to have bad days. Uh, yep. There's going to be ups and downs. You might have a game. I've been called out for throwing games because or king making because I made a choice and then somebody won <laughs> and somebody else was like, well, well, you totally king make. And I'm like, well, I don't care, man. Like, I got to go to bed. Like, I'm sleepy. Like, Leave me alone. It's just, it's like, this you plays know, are also I, part of magic. Like you, yeah. Everyone's I mean, gonna make fuck ups and not read the board perfectly. I mean, there is yeah. a content there's, creator there's, literally named Mental Misplay. Yeah. <laughs> Good old Alan. Yeah. Yep. Alan and Sarah's He's company. Awesome. Yep. To the point of curating your pod and the rule zero, just to kind of bring it all back full circle. Uh, the the power scale isn't perfect either. Uh, I have a oh. predetermined defined way that I determine power level. But my scale is going to be different than the next guy's scale. I -hmm. think certain things that are fringe or high power can still sit at a CDH table. They just might not have the most optimal cards or they might just not have the best commander for the thing they're trying to do. But it can still sit at the table, so it's still that. Um, I think that if you're going to go down to like, you know, high casual or mid casual, then you're not running the, the zero drop rocks and you're not running the, the free cost uh, counter spells. You're not running a high density of tutors. You're, you're doing things a little more organically and just hoping to draw into the synergies. But that's where those decks are super highly tuned as far as being synergistic, as far as like each piece kind of does something with some other piece. Whereas like CDH lists are just like get to the point. It's all interaction and just get to the point A, point B combos. And ramp. It's like I just right. have a bunch of resource accumulation. to. But you can do the ramp in, in, in casual too. If you're playing oh, yeah. like the, the Tatiovas and the what's the ACs, man, those decks just go off. I have a um, Saltai Sea Monsters deck with uh, Damia as the commander and it ramps a Domia. fucking insane amount. <laughs> because... Dami also like fills my hand if I just play nothing but ramp spells. Yeah, that's all you got to do. I mean, that's why Jota and Golos were good in casual too because they like do like I I had a Jota list. Golos came out. I made it into Golos. It was it was fucking busted, but it wasn't like <laughs> CDH busted. It was just like not fair that I got to cast three things for free for five mana or seven mana, and that's just kind of the nature of the beast. Uh, Jota's not fair that you get to turn anything into five CNC. So, you know, it's still the same nature of the beast, but it was less ramped up on the bus. Jota just doesn't pay for half his own commander tax. That too. Uh, <laughs> so that's, that's part of it as well. I'm sure. But uh, Jota sounds like a problem. Uh, the, ne- the next, the next casual uh, game I have, I'm playing it because <laughs> I, uh, I re I retuned it. It's it's still very much no fast mana, no nothing super busted. It's it's running a couple tutors, but that's just to like get to the key pieces that help with the synergy, not to like have a combo to win. I I think you can build efficiently and aggressively at any power level, and I think that you can learn a lot from playing multiple power levels. And just overall, the power scale is going to be fucked up no matter what you do with it. So. Just have the rule zero conversation. It's it's really simple. You- just do it. Just talk to the people you're playing with so everyone can have fun. Treat everybody with respect and 
they'll treat you with respect. It's it's pretty simple. Uh, it's the golden rule. We were taught it as children. It, it still applies today. Um, and most people who are going to have a problem with something you're doing are willing are going to be willing to say so. And you should be willing to be like, hey, you don't like me playing this? Okay, fine. I'll switch to this deck. It does this thing. And then they're going to be cool with it. And everybody's fine. And nobody's expectations are getting crushed to where they're salty or aggressive. I'll still kill you if you mill me, though. I mean, I might still hit you. But, <laughs> but don't, it's don't only temporary. Mill against Beth, she'll still be mad. Yes, well, that's something I you mean, can say in the rule zero. That's like, the rule hey, zero. You mill, mill play me, your I mill deck, but I'll you. fucking hate it. Memo to yes. name you after my meeting. Yes. <laughs> Quick outro. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, this is the second episode of our series. Here, we're hoping to uh, get out one of these every couple of weeks. This should be the kind of the new format going forward. I hope the free and four conversation was still easy to follow. Uh, like I said, any commentary that you guys want to leave feedback is appreciated. We're trying to narrow this down to get it right and tight to where, uh, well, also just trying to find our, our flow and our balance between each other. So, um, bear with us while we figure it out. Um, in the coming months, uh, we're going to have a lot of cool things to talk about and I'm hoping to, uh, you know, get out some, quality videos we're eventually going to have face cams so you're not just staring at the image that you're probably staring at right now um so just give us a follow uh subscribe where you can and uh you can follow us on twitter etc i'll have all the links in the description and uh, we'll see you guys in a couple weeks bye bye have a good game